Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Hey, before we get going, let's give a quick shout out to our partners here at Auburn Live and the Auburn Live show. First of all, Southeastern, great bar in downtown Auburn, fantastic two-story building, beautiful place, a great lounge upstairs, tons of TVs, outdoor seating area, some finger foods and stuff like that as well. Awesome location, downtown Auburn. Go visit Southeastern, great game day experience, a weekend experience. Um, just go check them out, Southeastern, on Magnolia. Other partner, the Irritable Bow Restaurant, also on Magnolia, on the other side uh, of the street in downtown downtown Auburn, down, down Magnolia. Go check them out. Really good Chinese bow uh, food, uh, sh- shrimp shrimp rolls and, and steak, steak and, and, and chicken uh, skewers and um, rice bowls and just a bunch of, bunch of good stuff, man. If you've never had Chinese bow, it's really, really good. Shout out to our friend Whitley Dykes. Um, they get you in and out really quickly. So if you ever see a line, don't worry. It moves quickly. Go check out the Irritable Bow restaurant downtown Auburn and uh, tell them Auburn Live sent you. All right, let's go. Hey, welcome into another Auburn Live show. Appreciate everybody joining us on this Thursday morning. Thursday morning. We're almost there to the, to the big Auburn Penn State showdown. I am Justin Hokinson, part of AuburnLive.com. Appreciate everybody joining us. With me today is a very special guest, somebody from the inside of the Auburn football program that's been involved with Auburn football for a long, long time. Um, we're super, super excited that he is a part of the program today, Mr. Andy Burcham. Andy, man, how are you? Justin, well, I'm, I'm doing very well. Good to be with you today. Glad to have you back on the beat again. Excited about what you guys are doing. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. We're, we're excited about what we're doing as well, and I'm, I'm pumped to have you on. I thought um, with such a big matchup and, 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 and something that has a lot of historical value, Auburn and Penn State, I, I thought, man, you would, you would have a great perspective um, to bring because Auburn's only played Penn State twice, and, and you were probably a part of both of those um, broadcasts as well. I know, I know if, if that's not right, you can correct me, but 1995, and, and I guess it was 95 and 2002. But just kind of what are your general thoughts on Auburn, Penn State, and what this means to Auburn going up the Happy Valley and everything that comes with it? Well, uh, I've been a part of one of the broadcasts. I was a part okay. of the, the 95 game down at the old Sombrero. And the thing that, that, that strikes me about that game, other than it was Auburn's first bowl game since probation, is mm-hmm. there was an absolute monsoon that day. It, I mean, just rained forever as we were walking into the stadium. And we were still wearing blue blazers at this point, our broadcast crew. And we, we just got soaked on our way in. And, of course, Auburn lost that game. I was not a part of the game that Ronnie Brown had the, the really big game for Auburn from a running perspective. I was doing women's basketball that weekend. With regard to the historic value of, of this weekend coming up, it's Auburn's, just, it's Auburn's second ever trip to a Big Ten football venue. 
1931 is the last time that Auburn played at a Big Ten school, and that was a 7-7 tie with Wisconsin. So for most of us, this is brand-new territory for Auburn. Uh, I've been to Penn State once before, and women's basketball played there in a regular season tournament and then that same season in the NCAA tournament. And their basketball arena is very close to, to Beaver Stadium, so you kind of get an idea what it's like. But it's been 20 years since I've been there. But I, there's, there's some history involved in this. And I'm glad to see Auburn head north. I'm glad to see Auburn head into Big Ten territory. And we'll get a lot of questions answered, Justin, this weekend with regard to this Auburn program, uh, with this brand-new staff. You know, can Auburn handle the, the atmosphere there at Beaver Stadium? A lot of questions to be answered come Saturday night. I totally agree with you. Before we get into that game, I wanted to kind of get your big picture view on Auburn football and Brian Harson because I haven't, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to, to speak with you and, and to sort of get your impressions on that. Um, what is your take on on Brian Harson? What you know of him, being around him, um, and how he's led the program in the spring, summer, fall camp, now through two games. You know, we've, we've had a lot of discussions on our on our website and, and on podcast about him and his business-like approach. And, um, I mean, he's very business-like. I feel like trying to get a uh, smile or a, a, <laughs> a, 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 you know, an energetic answer from him is, is tough. You think you ask the great answer and you're going to get this real, um, you know, meaningful response. And he'll just be like, well, you know, we played well. It's just back back to practice, you know, and you're like, okay, well, you know, so he's just kind of a robot in that way. He's a very processed guy. But what what are your impressions of him so far, and, and how does he fit into trying to build this Auburn program right now? Is he what Auburn needs right now? I think he is. I, I, I do believe that. And I've been around him probably more than, than others just for the events that he and I have, have done together through the spring and, and the summer. Uh, that I've been very fortunate. Uh, I, I haven't been able to, you know, it's not like he and I are buds or anything like that. Uh, it's been very professional in, in our, our discussions, and there's not a lot of small talk uh, at this point. We get a little bit of it during Tiger Talks on Wednesday night, but not a whole lot. And if you get a smile or a reaction from him, then that, that's a win. Uh, rarely does that happen on the air. It typically happens off the air. Uh, but he is very businesslike. Uh, he is an intense individual. As you, as you probably have, have picked up, he is very detail-oriented. Uh, and, and the small amounts of practice that we've been able to watch, like you, like you folks, you know, I mean, you, you see him everywhere. It's not just with the offense. He is, he is and he's right in the middle of it. Um, and I, here's one thing that, that I've picked up on since the start of this season. He's very assured that what he's doing is, is the right way to lead this Auburn football team. There's no second guessing, I don't think, in his mind about how he's going about his work and how this staff is going about the, their work. And listen, the first two ball games, Auburn has been the overwhelming favorite against Akron and Alabama State, and it should have been. And other than really the first half of the Alabama State game, Auburn has played like that team that has been the overwhelming favorite. That third quarter this past week, and I don't care who it was against, was very impressive. And the way Auburn went about its business, I thought, in the Akron game from start to finish was very impressive. But that's Akron and Alabama State at Jordan-Hare Stadium. This is a whole different animal when Auburn, and, and really for the rest of the season. I mean, it really starts for Auburn this Saturday night with Penn State. Then you come home against Georgia State on homecoming. And then it's the SEC 
the rest of the year. It's, it's like last year. It's all SEC for the rest of the season. So this one Saturday night just hopefully answers a lot of questions that we all have about this Auburn team and really cannot be answered until Auburn plays an opponent like Penn State and certainly on the road in front of 106, 107,000 people. Yeah, I think that's been the tough thing these first two weeks, and then especially leading up to this week, I felt like we've we've just sort of been waiting for this week, and and the first two weeks have been you know you're trying to dissect what you see from Auburn, and um, but then you're also trying to keep it in context of what's coming up, and trying to figure out okay what are we seeing, and the, but then how's that going to play against Penn State, and so now we're here. Um, how do you sort of take what? Because you mentioned, I mean, Auburn can only play the team in front of them, and they did their job. Um, how do you take what you've seen the first two weeks? I mean, number one scoring defense in the nation, number one scoring offense in the nation. I mean, the numbers are skewed heavily. Um, how do you take what you've seen and try to translate that into Penn State? Because as I pointed out to somebody the other day, I mean, not just this game. We're, we're talking about Auburn being untested to some degree. That's fine. But how do we know how good Wisconsin is? Look at t- t- Texas and Arkansas. How- how do we know how good Texas is? How do we know how good Arkansas is? Notre Dame struggles against Toledo and Jacksonville State upsets Florida State. Like there's just these first couple of weeks, there's so many unknowns. It's hard to peg down who's good yet. Um, but how do you sort of take what Auburn's done the first two weeks and try to figure out what translates and, and what doesn't when you're trying to figure out what to expect on Saturday? Well, the bottom line is you get two wins. All right. You're, you're two and oh going to Penn State. That's not a big surprise. Um, you've got to like the way that, that the, the offense has, has moved the football and done it on the ground. I mean, you have both of your, your top tailbacks have both gone for over a hundred yards in the first two games. Auburn did not have Sean Shivers last week against Alabama state. I don't know if Auburn will have him this Saturday. That remains to be seen. So you, you've moved the ball. Well, um, I think another thing that, that has happened the, the first two weeks is the fact that Auburn, for the most part, is injury-free. You haven't had one of those freak injuries in these first two games that has taken out one of your top players for an extended amount of time. That hasn't happened for Auburn. And, I, you know, how much of the offense have we seen thus far? I mean, Auburn right. has been able to run the football and run the football well. Is that going to be a part of this Auburn offense? Absolutely it is. I mean, you, you ask Brian Harson about his offense and his answer every time is we're going to be a downhill running football team. And it has allowed Bo Nix, you know, first game, he was really good. 20 of 22 wasn't quite as good, especially against Alabama state, but he didn't play in the second half either. Right. And had a couple balls dropped that probably could have been, should have been touchdown passes. Um, so again, you, you, you get what you get out of those first two games. The fact that Auburn has not suffered a weird injury in the first two games, that to me is a big, big plus. And now how much of the offense do we see? Or is this the Auburn offense? I mean, is, is, is this what you're going to get this year? My guess is we've not seen a good portion of this Auburn offense yet. I think you see a little bit more of it because you're, you're playing a top 10 opponent on the road this Saturday night. Now, whether it's successful, like a lot of it, it all remains to be seen. And, you know, here's a good example about what do we know about a team after the first two weeks. Last year, Mississippi State absolutely dismantles LSU. All right, that LSU team wasn't very good throughout the entire year. But that Mississippi State team wasn't nearly as good as we saw from that game for the rest of the season. So, you know, is Alabama good? Uh, yes, Alabama is very, very good. 
I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but, but the rest of the league is Arkansas better. I think Arkansas certainly better. And last week's a good example of that against a Texas team that heck, we don't know how good that team is just yet. It's still early in the season. Things will play out for the rest of this season in Auburn's first big test is Saturday night. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point about the, the how much of the offense we've seen and potentially even how much of the defense we've seen because we talk about what have we learned from Auburn and, you know, are they largely untested and now they're going against Penn State and all that's true. But I think that's a good point and they, it could be an advantage in their favor in that because of who they've played, there's no doubt that they've held things back. And that could be an advantage in the beginning of the Penn State game, certainly the first half, if they can come out and show things that they haven't shown that could be that could be a big advantage to them that we we just have no way of answering that because we don't know what they have and haven't shown and what they plan on showing we don't know but but I think you're right on that point there that could be an advantage that people are not talking about the other side of playing two cupcakes and then going in and playing uh, Penn State uh, let's talk about a little bit more about Brian Harson and what this game means he's you know, looking back at his record I think he's played 11 ranked teams um, as a head coach which is crazy because potentially he could play six the remainder of the season, yeah. um, which is insane to think about. He's five and six, I think, you know, um, pretty evenly matched when he was at Boise. You know, he's playing, you know, maybe a San Jose State or a Fresno State. His best win is Arizona, number 12. So he's never even faced a top 10 team from from what I look, looked up. I mean, what an option, what an opportunity for him. Third game at Auburn, he could potentially have the biggest win of his entire coaching career. Um, against the top 10 team on the road. I mean, what a massive opportunity for him in week three. Yeah, it, it's, an, it's an opportunity for a signature win in the first three games of his career yeah. at Auburn. I don't get the idea that he's intimidated by it. Do you? Um, no. And just his demeanor? Um, I think he relishes the opportunity to get out and get again, you know, a play like this. And what you said about Auburn's schedule, while that can be intimidating, it's also the reality of playing in the SEC and for now the SEC West because the SEC West is the best conference in college football, just the SEC West. Yeah. And that's, that's Auburn's home for at least, well, who knows what it'll be once Oklahoma and, and Texas join the league uh, at that right. point. So that's just the reality of it. So he, he he's going to have to get used to playing top 10 teams, top 15 teams weekend and week out. And then, oh, by the way, when you're not playing a top 15 team in the SEC, it's still like you're playing that top 15 team. Uh, this league is brutal, as we know. And um, the fact that that in Alabama went through this season, last season undefeated in the SEC West is remarkable to me. But that is that is life in the Southeastern Conference and that is life in the SEC West. Oh, there's no question. It's, it's going to be a gauntlet. Um, what are, what are expectations for this team in this season? And in, in, in terms of, you know, I think everybody has different thoughts on what would make them happy, uh, in a, in a given year. And certainly in, in Brian Harson's first year, right. Whether it's wins or whether they want to see a certain, you know, Hey, we want to, we want to win in Baton Rouge or whether, whether it's consistency on, on a certain side of the football, or, uh, we want to see Bo Nix improve. Like everybody's kind of got some different thing that, I think they want to see to, to try to determine what a successful season might look like in Brian Harson's first year. Um, and I'm curious what your perspective is in terms of how fans should view year one under Brian Harson because he's got talent. Um, I mean, the, the program's in good shape. I, I've told people it's one of the – not often do you get to come into a Power 5 program, especially a program like Auburn, 
in 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 have it in pretty good shape. I mean, he's gonna have a brand new football facility next year. Um, and he went to a bowl game. He's got a team that's coming off a bowl game last year. Um, and there's a there's ability there, there's talent. So it's not a bad obviously he's coming in in a pretty good spot. But what what should fans focus on, do you think, in year one to try to figure out, you know, are we is it right direction, wrong direction, those kind of things? Like how are you viewing this season? Well, and and I don't know. And and for me to say the fans should feel this way is it's ridiculous because the fans aren't going to take what I say and take that to the bank anyway. They might. Uh, perhaps. <laughs> and I'm not sure it's smart if they do, quite frankly. Uh, listen, here are some things that Auburn, Auburn, the Auburn family wants to see. Auburn wants to see a win in, in, in Baton Rouge. That hasn't happened since 1999. Auburn wants to see more consistency against its biggest rivals in Alabama, which Auburn's had some success here at Jordan-Hare Stadium, and Georgia, which Auburn hasn't had much success with regardless of where those two teams have played of late. I think those are three of the top things right there is that you want to see that. You want to see Auburn's recruiting be consistently good. And listen, we don't know how this recruiting class is going to turn out. I think Auburn is off to a good start for the 2022 class right now, and it is, it is building what it is doing for the years beyond that. Um, so I think that's, that those are some things right off the bat that you want to see out of Auburn, what kind of factor, and I don't know the answer to this, what kind of a factor does the new football performance center, what will it have? Uh, at least it brings Auburn to even keel with a lot of other schools in the Southeastern conference and outside the conference in the, in the Southeast or nationally, because Auburn hasn't had that like a Clemson's performance center or Alabama's perform or wherever you want to yeah. go. Auburn will have that hopefully by the time the 2022 football season rolls around and it will have all the bells and whistles that all the other schools have at that point, at least you're on par then with those right. schools. And I think that's a performance center. That's not only going to help football, it's going to help Auburn athletics because Auburn can recruit to that in other sports as well. And the new practice facilities there will open up the current practice facilities for soccer or track and field or baseball or softball to use the indoor facility more and, and, and whatever Auburn does with, with that, the current practice facility. So I think it's, it's a trickle down effect for the rest of the athletic department, quite frankly, uh, at this point. So those are a couple of the things and listen to our fans want to see, Auburn being a consistent factor when it comes to the SEC West. Uh, there have been years where Auburn has been right there. There have been years where Auburn has won it and then gone on to win in the SEC. But that Auburn, for Auburn, the Auburn family, it hasn't been consistent enough. And listen, I've, I've had the question many, many times, who does Brian Harsha remind you of? And for some of those that were around when Coach Dye came in 1981, and I've talked to some, some players that played for Coach Die. That's the one that they point to. And you certainly hope, if you're an Auburn fan or part of the Auburn family, you hope that, that what Brian Harson is able to do is similar to what Coach Die did, especially through the 80s uh, for Auburn. Others remind him, remind them of what Dick Saban has done at Alabama in his demeanor. Um, you don't, you don't get a lot of smiles out of Nick Saban at press conferences either, do you? Uh, so, um, there's, there are, there are similarities, uh, for both of those men. And if, and if that's 
the case, then that's two pretty successful individuals in, in SEC football. So those are a couple of the things. Uh, we're still so very early in, in what's happening right now. But I like the way that this season has gone so far. I like the way that this staff works. I like the way that, that this team has reacted to Brian Harson and his staff at Auburn. Um, but again, questions will, will start to be answered really seriously come Saturday night and beyond after the Penn State game. Yeah, let's, let's get into that game a little bit. Um, you know, what a massive opportunity for Auburn. We've heard a lot about the crowd. Um, the wideout, it's a big deal for Penn State. They take a lot of pride in the wideout. Uh, it's, it's an amazing atmosphere when you've seen, you know, clips and videos and you watch games. It's, it's nothing to sneeze at. Now, I've, I've seen a lot of Auburn fans having fun on Twitter about, about the atmosphere. And, hey, we, you know, Auburn plays in Florida. and We've played in the Swamp. and We've played in Baton Rouge and Georgia. Why would we be intimidated by a road game at Penn State. And that's true. Florida, that Florida game in 2019, that, that place is one of the more intimidating atmospheres that I've, I've been a part of. I've seen that was a loud uh, arena. But, but Penn State's going to be very loud as well. There's no question about it. It's going to be a tough atmosphere. How do you think that plays into the game? Um, in you know, this, this offense hasn't been taken on the road yet. Bo Nix's first opportunity on the road this year. Um, certainly a potential for communication issues, no question. But how do you how do you think that plays into? We talked to Ben Lear just for some context. Ben Lear was on the show on Monday morning, and um, Ben was very confident in Mike Bobo and his ability to mold Bo Nix. Ben's a very big believer in Mike Bobo um, in 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 his ability to kind of rein in Bo Nix and and mold him and and help him through road games and communication, just kind of developing him in that aspect. But how do you see this playing out on Saturday night in terms of the crowd and how it might impact things for Auburn? Well, I agree everything with what you just said. <laughs> you know, uh, it, this will not be a new atmosphere for Auburn. Auburn has been to Baton Rouge on a Saturday night. Auburn has been to Athens. Auburn has been to Gainesville, wherever you want to go in the Southeastern Conference. So Auburn knows what it's like to go into a hostile atmosphere. That doesn't diminish, though, how tough Saturday night can be in front of 107,000 at Beaver Stadium at Penn State. And it will be brand new to Auburn. There's a lot of newness for this game Saturday. It's the first road game. It's an enormous task to take a, a football team on the road yeah. for the first time to Penn State. It will be the first time that this team plays in front of a hostile atmosphere. It certainly won't be the last time this season, but it will be the first time this season. And from everything I've, I've been told, it is a hostile atmosphere. It's a tough place to play. But remember this. This is the 13th whiteout game. Penn State whiteout is the official name for it. They're 6-6 six and six in these whiteout games. As tough as that atmosphere is, they've won as many times as they've lost in this yeah. game. So uh, it's not just a slam dunk that every time that everybody's there, other than the, the orange specks that you will see, I think, at yeah. Beaver Stadium. And I think there's a lot of people trying to go to this game. Um, yeah. they are, it's just not a slam dunk that they win every one of these, these whiteout games. Doesn't mean that they won't this time. Just doesn't mean that it's, you know, an absolute 100% lock that they do this time. They impress me. They're big and they're physical. They play Penn, Big Ten football. Uh, their win at Wisconsin, I thought, was very impressive because that's another tough place to play. 
Camp yeah. Randall Stadium is a tough place to play. And they went in in their first game. And that was their first game playing in front of a capacity crowd since the 2019 season. For Auburn, this will be Auburn's first time that it has played in front of a capacity crowd since the LSU game wow. in 2019 on the road. Was that so, in October? Yeah, October. Wow. Because wow. remember, that last part of the season was all at home. Georgia and Alabama right. were, were at, at Jordan-Hare Stadium in 2019. Yeah. So it's been a long time for Auburn, period, let alone for the first time for, for this team with this staff to go in in this type of setting. And I know that they've worked on it throughout the week. My office is in Beard Eves Coliseum. And if you walk out during the afternoon, you can hear the crowd, the, the noise that they're piping into the stadium or to the practice facility. So I know they're working on it. How well it works, we'll find out. Yeah, you never know until you get in there. And well, and even really, they've been working on it when we would have some open periods in, in, in fall camp. Um, music's blaring. Music's blaring the whole time, not just crowd. I mean, their music's always playing. Um, and it's and I think I find it funny because we would joke around about the kind of music that's playing. And uh, it's not always the music that the players would probably pick. No, Let's Brian, uh, Brian, I, I will tell you this. Um, I host the football Friday luncheon uh, before home games over at, at Jordan Hare Stadium. And Coach Harson has been with us the first two weeks. And I go in on Thursdays and we get a player interview, a player, offensive player and a defensive player that we use in our final hour of our pregame show, the countdown to kickoff. And last week when I was over there to, to interview the two players, he came in and was walking up the spiral staircase there and was talking to one of the staff there. And he was going over all of the music that was going to be played on that Thursday practice. And it was all him. So that's where some of this music's coming from is the head coach and danger zone. The Kenny Loggins from the first Top Gun movie. That was one of the songs that he picked out. So uh, I think you're hearing some of his musical taste at these practices. There's a little bit of insight for you. That's great. That's part. Well, that matches up with what I thought because I'm listening. Uh, I've been to practices and before, and you know, and generally, a lot of times, it's music that the players want to hear. It gets them fired up. And so I just thought it was funny because I'm like, I know players did not pick out some of this '80s um, rock music. There's no way. And so part of me thought, part of me thought, it's music. They want it loud. They they constantly want you have to focus um, in practice. And but then I also thought. Is there a is there a part of Brian Harson's like we're gonna listen to my music and that's just one more thing you got to focus through? <laughs> <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that's a hilarious. That's that's a funny. That's a very funny. Uh, that's a very funny story. Um, so you look at this game, man. To me, I think I think if Auburn wins this game, I think Tank Bigsby comes out of this game as as a massive star. I think if Auburn wins this game, he's going to have a huge part in it. And I told somebody that I thought that if Auburn wins this football game, the next time somebody comes out with a top 10 Heisman list, I think he's going to be on it. 
I think I think that's the kind of game he needs for Auburn to win these kind of these kind of football games, especially Penn State, whatever. He's the best player on offense. And I think he needs to have an all-purpose type of game generally. And so I what's your take on the kind of game Bigsby will need to have? Or is there more balance there than maybe I'm um thinking there is on that Auburn offense? I mean, I think he needs to have like 150 plus all-purpose yards to win these kind of games for Auburn. Well, and, and what you just said about all-purpose, I think, is very important. We've seen a hint at Tank Bigsby not only as the running back, the tailback for Auburn, but somebody out of the backfield. The, the throw to him, I believe it was in the first half of the Akron game, where Bo Nix had time, and he, I, think, I think at that time Tank was the third option in that read. And he just flared out of the backfield to the left, to the Akron sideline, and, and was wide open for a big game. And I think we see more of that out of this offense. And not for just this game, by the way. I think for the rest of this season. But for Auburn to be, to be efficient offensively, to be crisp offensively, the guys up front have to perform well. And as much of a test as, as this is for Tank Bigsby against a big, physical Penn State team. And every one of Penn State's starting linebackers are 240 pounds or bigger. And they're big and athletic. I mean, we, we've talked in years past about Auburn being a linebacker U. Well, Penn State prides itself on being a linebacker U as well. Um, and they're big. It's, it's the guys up front. It's Nick Brahms and Brandon Council or Alec Jackson, Keandre Jones, Bradarius Ham, Austin Troxel. Those guys have to perform well for Auburn. And they've got to establish that run game early in this game at Penn state. And if Auburn can establish the run game early, then it opens up everything else in the offense. And I guarantee you Penn state is, is saying, all right, you're going to have to prove you can run the football against us before we give you any kind of respect in your, in your passing game. I do like the way that Auburn has used the play action fake much more, regardless if Bo Nix is under center or in the shotgun. I think that opens things up for Auburn. But to me, you've got to be able to run the football early. Yeah, this is a potential huge game for a Tank Bigsby. On the road, 107,000 strong, national television audience, top 15 or top 20 matchup. Uh, it certainly has the potential to be a huge game for Tank Bigsby. But for that to happen, the guys up front, and for the most part, Auburn has done that, but they've not done it against a Penn state and they've got to be able to do that Saturday night. Yeah. And I wonder how much the tight ends are going to be involved in helping out blocking. And, and you know, they were, they were Shanker was a big part of, of game one, game two, uh, only one catch. So you got to figure there's more in store for the tight ends. And I think having four guys basically that you can, that you can put out there and block in different, in different ways could really help as well. And Jarquez Hunter, I mean, what, what, a, what a performance from him against Akron and Alabama state and what a timely, development we heard a lot about him in the fall camp we, we knew there was the potential we, we we knew that it was there and boy has he performed well and what a perfect time for him to have a great game because I think they're going to need him on Saturday night you talk about those big linebackers um and and um you know Bigsby can't do it all every every game you know it's it, to Hunter's development right there is massive and I wonder what kind of impacts he can have this is a big opportunity for him too to show that he can do it against big competition just get six or seven carries spell tank and don't lose production so that tank can come back in there. It could be that that could be a huge part as well. 
Here's another thing that, that cannot happen for Auburn. And I know this sounds basic, but it's, it's the turnovers, putting the ball on the carpet. You know, you, you can't have that, that fumble early deep in your own territory because it's a physical football game that, that can't happen early on because you know, Penn state's going to come out and try and punch Auburn in the mouth right off the bat and see how Auburn reacts to it. And Auburn's got to be ready for, for that type of thing. But I think, you know, listen, Jarquez and tank from a physical standpoint are very similar. You know, a Sean Shivers is a different tailback and whether Auburn has him or not, I think remains to be seen at this point Saturday. But, but if you're going from a tank Bigsby to a Jarquez Hunter, there's not a lot of difference in how physical they are. There's not a lot of difference in the top end speed and, and be, being able to make a move and, and break a tackle. Uh, Auburn's fortunate to have these two guys, but, but again, Jarquez has played two home games right. at Auburn. You know, the last time he played on the road, he was in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Wow. I don't think he played in front of 107,000 uh, on the road the last time he played football. So we'll find out just, just how well this true freshman and other young players on this Auburn team reacts. Yeah, I think that I think the beginning game is going to be big for that defense too. I think Mike Urich, he likes the big play, offensive coordinator for Penn State. Um, they they have a high completion in terms of yards per completion. They like the big play, and and I think it was Owen Papo we talked to, and he said they're really going to have to keep a cap on that uh, that offense and not give up that big plays. And I think Derek Mason's scheme we think is tailored more towards that, maybe a little more zone at times, um, and so that'll be big for Auburn early is to not give anything to give Penn state any additional momentum, go play sound defensive football and let everybody get their feet underneath them, especially that offense. That defense could play a massive role in helping anchor that offense. If they start slow, Sean Clifford is their their starting quarterback. And he's kind of like a, he's kind of like a Bo Nix. He's been around for a long time. He's a redshirt senior. He has over 6,000 total yards in his career. He's thrown for over 5,000 yards. When he has stayed away from the turnover, Penn State has won. Point blank. If he doesn't turn the ball over, they win. And then remember this about the offense. They have Noah Kane back as their starting tailback. Mm -hmm. He was a record-setting tailback as a freshman in 2019. On the very first series last year in that loss to Indiana, their first game, he was injured and injured for the rest of the season. And now he is back, so they are there full strength in the tailback spot. Uh, they like to throw to the, ta the, the tailbacks. Um, he already has eight catches in the first two games, so you've got to be ready for that tailback to come out of the backfield and to, to, to look for that the pass reception there. They're very balanced offensively, uh, and they, have, they, like Auburn, have a lot of experience up front. Well, these guys, are they've been starters for a long, long time, so – there are some similarities there between these two programs in this, in this game on Saturday. Now their linebackers are much bigger than Auburn's linebackers, but I wouldn't trade Owen Papo and Jacoby McLean for anybody, anybody with, with how many plays they play, how hard they play the, the range that they have, you know, the sideline to sideline range. Um, th they have shown that they can play with anybody in the country, regardless of the opponent and where it is, it doesn't seem to matter to Zacoby and to Owen. So I love Auburn's linebackers and I like Auburn's secondary too, Justin. I, I like the fact that, that there's some veterans there. The fact that Alabama state kept throwing at Roger McCray last week was amazing to me. And then it finally, you know, he jumped the bubble screen and 
took it to the house for the, the touchdown. Um, I, I like Auburn's secondary, but, but Auburn, Auburn's defense will be tested this weekend against Penn State and, and vice versa. Auburn's offense will be tested by this, by this Penn State defense. Yeah, I'm almost more curious to watch Auburn's defense play um, and, and see if they're for real um, because I think they're closer than the offense to being a, an elite unit. And, and I think if they can get there, it will help this team and this offense tremendously. And so I'm more curious to know, is this defense really a top four or five unit in the league? Because if they are, then, then Auburn's going to be in every game they play. It, even Alabama and Georgia, because they're at home. If Auburn's defense is the real deal, then that's a massive development. Um, and some of these new guys, Marcus Harris, Tony Fair, Kaufman, Knighton, a lot of guys we need to see, you know, what they're about. Well, and to me, the, 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 the question mark about this defense going into the season wasn't the secondary and it wasn't the linebackers. It was up front. I like the talent. It's just not very, you know, it, there's not a lot of experience there. Right. And especially the middle guys, you know, the Marcus Harris and Tony Fair and, and JJ Pegues and, uh, Marquise Burks, who really had a good game last week, yeah. Alabama State. They're really going to get tested this week by Penn State because Penn State, I don't think they're going to do a whole lot of exotic stuff up front. They're just going to try and move Auburn off the ball. And then what Auburn has done on the edge with Kobe Wooden and Zakevius Walker and Derek Hall and TD Moultrie. And Auburn's had a, done a good job of putting pressure on the quarterback. Can they do that this week against a big, experienced Offensive line. And on the other hand, and, and you mentioned this, other than Alabama and Clemson in the last few years, no team has put more no more pressure on a quarterback than Penn State in years past. You know they're coming after Bo Nix. Oh, yeah. They, they want to see Bo Nix flushed out of the pocket. He's done a good job in the first two games, but that's Akron and Alabama State. Can that pocket maintain its integrity and give him a chance to, to throw the football or does Auburn move him out of the pocket sometimes to, to avoid that, uh, that pressure. Um, how Auburn handles that Penn state pressure to me is one of the huge, huge keys on Saturday night. No, there's no question. No doubt. I think that's going to be that big and we'll see that early in the, in the football game. What a fantastic opportunity for Auburn. I think regardless going into this game, you know, the team wants to win obviously, but I think from the outside looking in, it's not a conference game. Uh, it's an amazing opportunity to see what this team's about and it not hurt against conference one way or another. Um, it's a good chance to see what Brian Harson's about on the road, game three. You're just going to learn a lot, and, and I think it's a fascinating opportunity to do that. Hey, before we go, one fun kind of curious, curious question for, for me that I think is interesting. What is a, what's a road Saturday? What's a road Friday, Saturday look like for you, especially Penn State? That's a travel. You know, you got to get there and prepare. It's different from a home game, obviously. You got a lot more going on. But what does it look like for you when you're traveling up to half traveling there? And and how much fun is it to go to these road games, especially places you've never been, and you're calling a game inside of Happy Valley? What an awesome opportunity and experience for you. I'm blessed to be in this position, to be able to experience this. Um, to answer your question, it, it typically, and we don't all travel together, especially on a, a flight trip. Uh, and there will be some of us on the team flight and some of us that will be traveling commercially. And at least for this game, part of our crew is staying um, away from College Station. So if, if we're together, let's, let's say for the LSU game, which will be the first SEC game, a couple of us are on the team flight. The rest of us are, are caravanning down in some, 
some rental cars. We're all staying in the same hotel. And the, the, the big pressure for Friday night is where we're going to dinner. <laughs> That's really important. And it's a fun time for all of us to be together, yeah. uh, to laugh and to joke and, and to reminisce. And there are a lot of questions about Ronnie and Stan and Jason's careers and just a time to be together. We're talking families. We're talking the game. It, it's, it's just a great team building um, experience for us. And then we will go to the game. We will go to the game site in waves. Uh, Patrick Tisdale is our engineer. He and Brad Law, who is our producer and also our, our locker room host. They will typically get to the stadium first. Patrick, if he can, goes in on Friday to set up the equipment. But then he is in there early to make sure all the equipment is working. You know, we're on the air three hours before kickoff. So the rest of us get there an hour and a half to two hours out before the broadcast, uh, just to kind of get settled in talking about our guests. If there are any changes in our pregame guests, uh, typically it's mapped out by Brad, who our guests are, what time and that type of thing. And then we just, it's time for the broadcast. Um, so it, it for, trips are a lot of fun to be together. And, and one of the things that, that I learned over the many years of traveling with Rod, and Rod and I did 25 years of Auburn baseball together. Yes, the games themselves are important and Auburn winning and losing that that's an important part of it. But the thing that I miss most about those trips with Rod was just being with him and the friendship that you develop. And you talk about a lot of things that are not just baseball or football or basketball. You talk a lot about life. Uh, and, and you do that with, you know, we're, we're talking about Ronnie's kids. Uh, and his son playing football or, or where, you know, Stan's kids playing uh, travel baseball and, and football. And, you know, uh, it, it's just a time to be together and to form those friendships or our, our, our resident storyteller is Paul Ellen, because I mean, he's been around Auburn, you know, he, he grew up, his father went to Auburn. And he was growing up and he said, dad, I think I'd like to go to Florida. And his dad said, well, that's good. I hope, you know, you're not, I'm not paying for you to go to Florida. I'm paying for you to go to Auburn. And so that's where Paul came. And so Paul has stories that, that we can tap into. And, uh, it's a great group of men to, to be with. And, uh, I look forward to getting together with those guys 12, 13 times a year. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I know you'd be thinking about Rod. I know he would have just had a blast um, for, for, for this one. And, and, and even, gosh, just I was talking to, to Jason and Ronnie earlier this week because I was going to do a story on um, the 2002 Penn State game. That was such a vivid game in my, my memory growing up and such a classic game that Auburn won. And that defense was incredible. That Auburn 2002 defense was so good. Um, and it kind of hit me that that was, that was Jim Fife's last game, if I remember mm. correctly. The 2003 game was against Penn State. Um, and so that made me think of, of Jim Fife as well. So, um, man, what, what an awesome, awesome opportunity and historical game, I think, this Saturday night. A lot of fun for a lot of reasons. I, I, there are times when I can separate myself from just the, the, the game prep. And for someone who grew up in a small town in southern Illinois, had never really seen a big-time college football atmosphere until I came to Auburn in 1988. And the opportunities that, that working Auburn games has given me and the places that I've been able to go on somebody else's dime. Um, and the fact that I will get to, to, to be in that press box 
at Beaver Stadium Saturday night and call a game with 107,000 fans there and some Auburn fans sprinkled throughout that stadium. And, um, yeah, there are times where I have to kind of pinch myself that I'm, I'm in this spot and getting to work with this university and with this crew and calling this game. Uh, it's not lost on me. The, the significance of that is, is certainly not lost on me, Dustin. Well, have fun. It's going to be a great, great atmosphere. 6.30 Central, I believe, on ABC. Um, I get the Eastern and Central confused sometimes. So 6.30 Central, I believe, on ABC. Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler, game day, the whole thing. What, a, what an opportunity for Auburn in, in week three of the Brian Harson era to have this much exposure. And let's see uh, if they can go out and, and put a good performance on the field. Andy, thanks so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Justin. Have a great day. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we'll see you next time on, uh, on the Auburn Live Show. See ya. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.